Joy and peace with 
Shame is a robber and he's come to take my name. Love is my redeemer, lifting me up from the ground. Love is the power where my freedom song is found. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. There ain't no grave. When I hear that trumpet sound, gonna rise out of the ground. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Oh, fear is a liar with a smooth and velvet tongue. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. 
that if you walked out of the grave I'm walking to. If you walked out of the grave I'm walking to.
I love you and missed you. On vacation, we was gone for the last week and wasn't here. We was glad to get back, and I want to say thank you to DJ and Andy both and uh, those that took over. And I don't know about you, but I get away about a week, and that's about all I can stand because I come back and I felt like the music was just singing to me. You know, I just felt so good hearing God's word. And you know what? You can go other places and realize the darkness is everywhere. I tried to turn on the television last week, last Sunday, trying to find any minister. I couldn't find nothing. I found a Catholic Mass. It's the only thing I found on 
on the whole TV cable. And I thought to myself, you know what? The world is ashamed, but the sad part is the church is ashamed of the gospel. And I want to tell you something. All the time they were singing this morning, I was thinking to myself, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Jesus Christ is the gospel. He paid a price. I used to be so ashamed. This was my praise. But you know what? I don't care because I love him. I'm not ashamed of him. I'm, not ashamed. I'm ashamed of things I used to be, but I ain't ashamed of what he's did for me. He is the answer to every need. And I don't care who you are or where you come from. Jesus Christ is calling on you. He's letting you know he loves you. He's letting you know he's calling you to his side. And I praise him today. I praise him that I go to a church that's alive. The fire may flicker, but the fire has never gone out. The light may flicker, but the fire's not gone out. It's not gone out here, and I don't care where you go. If you ain't going to talk about Christ, you might as well shut the doors. If you ain't ashamed of him, then let yourself know. Let yourself know. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm proud to be a child of God. And I can't help if the world's found a hole to hide in. One day that, that hiding is not going to be no more. God's coming back soon. Praise God. I love you and I thank God for you. Praise God. Good morning. Everybody hear me? Uh, you may be wondering this morning, why is Owen sitting up here? He's going to help me preach. There's nothing wrong with youth occupying positions, is there? Nope. I'm going to set him up here. He's going to help me read here in a little bit. So this morning, <clears throat> all the songs that have been sung, I could close this up, go home, and I could say that, you, that my sermon has been ministered unto you. So I thank the Lord that he sets us up and that he goes before us and he gives us what we need ahead of time. I thank you for his spirit this morning. I want to thank you in advance for not getting mad for me holding you beyond 1235. I will try to be quick. Uh, so I wrote down, or should I say my wife typed up, many scriptures that you'll see today. Um, the reason for this is because when I tried to find the words to preach, I just kept going back to Scripture, Scripture, and Scripture. So we're going to talk about the exchange this morning, the exchange that took place on the cross of Calvary. There's many aspects. You could dissect the cross a thousand different ways to apply it in a thousand different ways in your life. But this morning, we're going to apply it in six physical ways, and two emotional ways. And I am very thankful that many of the emotions that you guys have mentioned this morning, we're going to go over them. We're going to go over shame this morning. We're going to go over rejection this morning. I feel like that this message is necessary. I had a totally different message. I had this message that I was just going to grill everybody and it was going to be great, right? That's not what the Lord had in mind. As we come out and as we begin to pray, the Lord shows that we have a need. We begin to see the needs in the church and in the church body, not just this assembly, but the church body. The church body is run rampant with shame, with rejection, with hurt, 
So we're going to talk about today everything that you can exchange. I know the list isn't complete, but everything that you can exchange that he gave on the cross that you could have here today. So, the entire message of the gospel revolves around one single historical unique event. And that is the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. In agreement. Good start. So, Hebrews 10, 14. Like I said, you don't got to turn there because I'm going to move quickly. Um, if you need to vet it, it's all on here. Get the, get the thing and you can go and look it all up afterward. Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Notice the underline perfected forever. No expiration date. I know you hear a lot of our veterans. My oath does not expire. Neither does God's. That's what makes America beautiful. And don't let nobody tell you different. What makes America beautiful is our ability to come in and serve a living God without some type of sanction over us, without some type of of penalty placed upon us. What makes America beautiful is our veterans fight because they want to. They desire to defend our Constitution. I want you to go, maybe if you find a China soldier, Chinese soldier, ask him how he feels about fighting for his country. I guarantee you it will be a different zeal than the one who fights for a living God, who fights for a Constitution that says freedom to worship, freedom to assemble. For we know that by one man, that would be Adam, sin entered into the world. And by one man, Jesus Christ, there's been a way made. Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The book of Philippians declared that Christ is rich. He said that every need. No need is excluded from God's provision. I know for a fact this morning there are many needs. Many needs. But by a single sovereign act in one moment in time, the cross of Calvary gave everything that you need. Whatever you need to exchange, it can be found in the cross. He said that he'll give you beauty for ashes. 700 years prior to the cross, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 10 and 11, said, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and it shall be established by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, hear and bear their iniquities? The key words there is my righteous servant. The sinless lamb, he is prophesying of what is to come. The sinless lamb shall bear your iniquities. Symbolic of the scapegoat that they would send out into the inhabited lands. Isaiah 53, 6 
says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah still prophesying. Every one of us at some point or other has turned their back upon God. You are in need of a Savior and your iniquity, your sin was placed upon the sinless lamb. It was symbolic of the transferring from the human to the animal, right? Isaiah is saying this is what will happen to the son of man, the righteous servant. So while we may have not committed a horrible sin, a murder, a rape, an adultery, uh, anything that should be what we would deem today horrible, we all have sinned nonetheless. And God does not hold any difference on sin. He has no respecter of person. But it's important to know today that there is one word in the Hebrew language. I've recorded it today. That word is, I believe it's pronounced, avon. It's A-V-O-N. That word is what was laid upon your Savior. It's not just your iniquity. It's not just your guilt, but also punishment due to you. Do you know that you, by your nature, being born into sin, without a Savior, your punishment is hellfire, right? In Genesis, you're going to see an example of the word Avon. In Genesis, Cain slew Abel. Murder was the iniquity. But God gave him a punishment, didn't he? He said, where is thy brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Not a good answer, right? Yes, you are. You are your brother's keeper. You're responsible for the one sitting in the pews next to you. You're responsible to lift them up in prayer. Brother, where you been? I missed you. I love you. I'm praying for you, right? You're responsible within the body of God to lift each other up, to encourage each other. But you hear Cain, as he receives the punishment, he said, thorns and thistles thou shalt work the land. Right? He's going to send him off. And you hear Cain say, Lord, my punishment is too much for me to bear. He didn't say the iniquity is too much. He said, the punishment of my iniquity. He said, I can't bear it. He said, God, I can't bear it. I can't bear it. What you couldn't bear today, the Lamb of God felt. And he bore for us. So, one of the aspects, the first of the exchange on the cross of Calvary. This is just a study. The list, like I said, is not complete. Let's go to Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. It says, surely he has borne our griefs, which is translated literally sickness. And our sorrows, which is literally pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. On the spiritual plane, Jesus had bore total Avon this morning. But on a physical plane, 
Jesus bore our literal sickness and pains. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. And when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, which is like the modern day name for Isaiah. And the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. This is Matthew speaking in the Gospels, right? So we have here 700 years prior Isaiah prophesying the same thing as Matthew is declaring. This is the divinity of the word, right? 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who himself bare our sins in his own body, on a tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. We have again Peter declaring exactly what Isaiah had prophesied. The word of God is infallible and it is true. First and second aspects of the cross. One, Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Two, Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul refers back to Isaiah, referring to 53.10. He says, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Aspect number three, Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. There is none righteous, no, not one. As good as you can be, as great as you can be, inside of men, you cannot be righteous before a living God without bearing the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial death of our lamb, which is Jesus. Ezekiel 18.4 says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also as the soul of the Son is mine. Important here, but the soul that sinneth, it shall die. James 1.15 echoes something kind of similar. It says, then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. When Jesus took on Avon, it was inevitable that he should see death. His fate was sealed. For he bore total iniquity, total guilt, total punishment. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Why was he made lower? says it. For the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, that he should taste death for every man. Designed lower than the angels so that he could receive. We know that under the old law system, and some of you scholars might have to correct me, but I believe it says that the penalty of a broken law falls upon the breaker of that law unless there should be an equal or greater substitute. Jesus made a little lower just enough he could be that substitute for us 
Romans 6.23 declares, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Aspect number four. Jesus died our death. This is important that we might receive his life. His life. Poverty. I want to talk about poverty for a minute. Paul declares in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord, Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Deuteronomy, I'm going to get to poverty, I promise. Deuteronomy 28, 48. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But if you looked at the underlying words, Moses describes in a nutshell what absolute poverty is. In hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, in need of all things. You might think that you're poor today. I promise you, you're not in poverty. Poverty is in need of all things. On the cross, Jesus hungered. He hadn't eaten for 24 hours. John 19, 28 declares that Jesus thirsts. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Nakedness, John 19, 23. It says, then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and his coat. And now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They cast lots for his clothes. Your Savior. It was not a loincloth, I hate to tell you. For those that have seen the play, we can't even produce what actually happened. You need to thank God for that too, because I played Jesus. So y'all shout away later. He was in need of all things. He didn't even have a tomb. It was a borrowed tomb. He didn't have a robe. It was a borrowed robe. He didn't have his own shroud. It was given. Your Savior that possessed all things. Jesus regularly made a point to give to the poor. He regularly walked out. And him and his disciples gave to all that they might have. That which was rich in mercy, rich in grace, walked with the Father day in and day out. Here he sits, the man possessing all, suspended between heaven and earth, hungry, thirsty, naked, in need of all things. The depiction of cross is more than your mental image can bear. More than your mind can produce. Battered and bleeding. Jesus, he adored poverty. That you and I, we can share his abundance. Isn't that a good trade? Isn't that a good trade? Many of us have a lot today. Isn't that a good trade that we have his abundance? Because he experienced absolute poverty for us. The exchange of the cross covers also the emotional forms of suffering 
Listen to this. It comes with man's iniquity. These emotional things that you experience is man's iniquity. And it's, it's right that we call it so. The first one is shame. Shame can come from many things. Abuse, sexual abuse, unworthiness, just to name a few. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Listen to what I just said. He endured the cross while he was hanging there. Knowing death is inevitable, he still despised what was taking place. He said, I can't hardly bear it. Just know your Savior was on a cross, and he's saying, I'm struggling. I despise the shame that I am experiencing. But it says that he is now set at the right hand of the Father. I'm going to have Owen read you a passage. This is the shame that was experienced. And they crucified him and parted, parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they washed him there and set up over his head an accusation written, This is the king of the Jews. Then, then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on his right hand and another on the left. And they passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, saying, Thou that destroyed the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also if the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others himself, he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Thank you. I want you to understand this morning. Your Savior despised the shame. They placed upon him over his cross. King of King, King of the Jews. Right? As he read. It says they walked by him. This is the same man that we saw declare, oh, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it. Let him raise it. I see him raising that temple, nailed to the cross by human hands. Never having the understanding that it was the love of the Father. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son. It said that he pleased him to bruise him. It pleased him. It pleased the Father. The Son is doing the will of the Father on the cross. Right? And it says that they mocked him and they scorned him. And the thieves on the cross that were guilty of their actual crimes, one of them railed him and said, Hey, get us down off of here. What are you doing? Submitting yourself to death. He couldn't have been more right. Your Lord was enduring shame. 
shame that none of us has ever experienced. If you have shame today, you don't need to come and announce it to the entire church, hey, I'm full of shame. You need to bring it before the Lord and say, you bore my shame that I don't have to bear it anymore because shame will keep you disconnected from the cross. Shame will keep you disconnected from the assembly. Shame will keep you disconnected from the godly world. Rejection. Rejection comes a lot of times in its earliest form. I am under the full belief, I have nothing to back this up, but it is my opinion, so make it noted, Andy's opinion. You have a woman with a child that despises the fact that she's pregnant, that thinks about aborting that child, that sees this child as an inconvenience, do we not think that child will be born with a sense of rejection? If you mistreat a child and treat it differently than the other ch children, will not the others feel a form or a sense of rejection? Rejection may be active. It may not be something in the past. It may be currently active. It may be expressed in harsh and negative ways, or it may be just the failure of somebody to show you love and acceptance. Breakups is an easy way for the enemy to slide rejection in. Right? Very easy. I want to give a divorce depiction in Isaiah 54, 6. It said, For the Lord had called thee as a woman, forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of the youth. When thou wast refused, saith God. You ever see a young marriage? All of a sudden, the man decides, I haven't decided uh, to settle down. I know I took a promise before God, and we entered into a marriage agreement. Um, I don't want to be with you. And you have a young wife serving the Lord. Wow, that hurts, doesn't it? That's a rejection that's difficult to deal with. But I will tell you, fathers, hear me. The worst rejection in my mind is the rejection of a father. This is the head of everything that that child grows up under. The head of it. The worst rejection in my opinion is the Father. Matthew 27, 46 says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It says that he cried with a loud voice for all to hear. For the first time in history, you got to understand, Jesus walked and talked with the Father. He associated the Father with all things, with all healings, with all miracles. It was my Father, my Father. And in the garden, he prayed, my Father, let this cup pass from me. But if it be thy will, everything was my Father, my Father. And as he hung and hung on the cross, despising the shame and the rejection that is overcoming him, 
from crying out my father for the first time in recorded history. No answer from the father. Imagine that every step you took was with your father for the first time in history. He turns his back on you. Our father is holy. Our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yet we come into his house, happy meals, everything else that, we, that pleases us, and say, if the spirit moves just right, I'll give it one of these. Have we all been there? I've been there. I'm guilty. I used to bring a whole picnic pack in for my kids. It was easy, right? It's just easier. I'm not faulting you if you have to do some of that for your children. But what I'm telling you, as adults, revere the house of God. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. He is holy. And where he is, is, it is so holy, he could not look upon the iniquities, the shame and the rejection that your Savior was bearing on the cross of Calvary. But what he could do was he said, I have a plan. I have a plan. I have an exchange for you. Ephesians 1, 5 and 6. Heaven predetested. Excuse me, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted into the beloved. The acceptance is why we had to get his rejection. The Lord had to bear rejection so that we could have his acceptance. Because we in the sinful nature in the flesh cannot enter in. It says that Jesus bore our shame, that we might share in his glory. Jesus endured our rejection, that we might have his acceptance with the Father. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. For Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For as it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles. That's you and me, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus was made a curse that we might enter into the blessing. It said that when he hung on the cross and he cried, it is finished, that blood began to hit the ground. It says he yielded up the ghost. And as the blood began to hit the ground, the earth began to shake. It says that the rocks were rent. It says that the veil was torn from the top down to the bottom, giving sinful man full-time access to the throne of God without measure that we might enter in and say, God, forgive me for I have sinned. We no longer go before a priest. He became our final high priest, our final sacrifice. And he became a curse that we no more would have to bear the curse. And it says that in the graves of the saints begin to break open. And upon the resurrection, they went into the holy city. And they said, we have overcome the grave. The Passover has come. And behold, we are alive forevermore. No more to die. We have life in Christ Jesus. It says that they witnessed and they talked. The curse that is spoken of is the curse of the law. Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you guys want to view this later, we're short on time. 15 through 68. 
in a nutshell, you could sum it up differently. You go to the next slide, Cole. These things that you see on the board, humiliation, barrenness, unfruitfulness, mental and physical sickness, family breakdown. I'm talking about generations of divorce, generations of alcoholism, generations of abuse, generations of premarital children bearing, poverty, defeat, oppression, failure, God's disfavor. I believe that the root cause equals a curse on your life. Do you know that according to the cross of Calvary, it says he became a curse that we don't have to be cursed? He said, come and exchange what you carry today. He said, come to me, all ye who labor, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come to the cross and get what is, what is due to you. Not that we've earned it, but that he earned it. He said, you don't have to live a life of, a life of cursings and a life of, of constant bad relationships and a life of, of generation after generation after generation. He said, come and break the curse. It's a curse. Call it what it is and release yourself from it. Your prayer should go something like, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I reaffirm my faith in you. I was once a sinner, but I've been found. I've been blood washed. I've been redeemed. I take my stand with you. Because anybody tell him, I take my stand with you. I take my side with you. And I ask for this thing that is in my life. By my own admission and my lips, I ask that you release me from it. For it is a curse upon my life and my family. And I bear it no more because according to your word at the cross of Calvary, I've come to make the exchange. Everybody, the singers, go ahead and come up, musicians. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness not some all but we have to come we have to confess it says that he's faithful I'm going to sum up the sermon today as they begin to prepare I'm going to give a summary there is only one all sufficient basis for every provision of God's mercy the exchange that took place at the cross of Calvary Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we, may, we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Jesus died our death that we might receive his life. Jesus endured our poverty that we might share his abundance. Jesus bore our shame that we might share his glory. Jesus endured our rejection, that we might have his acceptance with the Father. Jesus was made a curse, that we might enter into the blessing. Amen. If you have a need this morning, 
you feel like there's an exchange that you'd like to make, customer service is open. All exchanges are accepted. He'll meet you where you are. He loves you. The love that held him to a cross at Calvary, that's the love he has for you. He says, I go away to prepare a place that where I am, there you may also be. Resurrection power is in this assembly. Resurrection power lives within the people of this assembly because it says that God gave us the power. He gave us the power to be called sons of God, daughters of God. That's what he earned for you on a cross of Calvary. Reject him not this morning. Love you guys. They drove the nails into his hands and his feet. And they place our blessed Savior between two common thieves. He could have
most beautiful things about what Andy spoke of is we can't do this on our own. The exchange had to come. Christ had to pay a price that we couldn't pay for ourselves. That's why they had such a hard time accepting him. Those religious people thought they were good enough and who they were. People today come to church, they think they're good enough the way they are. But see, God's waiting for that exchange. You have to accept his son. That's the beauty of it. I don't, I'm not worthy. You're not worthy. None of us is worthy. We don't come up here and do good deeds and think that's getting us to heaven. Only way we're getting in the door is through our Savior that paid our price. That's why you can feel his presence pleading for souls to come. He ain't telling you come up here and join this church. He's telling you come to him. Bring yourself and exchange yourself for him. Praise God. That's, that's what God's pleading today. He's pleading all over this country. This America where the light's gone out. He's pleading for it to come back and be restored to him. It's the only hope America has. It ain't our army. It ain't our good people. No, it's Jesus. It's all it's ever going to be. And I praise God for his true words. I praise God for the truth of the gospel. It's alive and well for you, whoever you are. Doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. We've all sinned and come short. We all need a Savior. If you're not, as, if you're not saved today, you need to come while the Holy Spirit is pleading, while the Heavenly Father is calling and luring you to his side. He's calling you. He's calling you by name. He knows you personally. Knows everything about you. Yet he still says, come to me. Praise God. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. All sufficient sacrifice so freely given such a price you bought our redemption so deliverance can be mine oh we believe that there is power Uh
Change falling. Mm-hmm. 